surprise. This is a surprise episode of Phone Booth Fighting. A pop-up episode, if you will. Hey everybody, it's Richard. Here's what Frank and I have in store for you on this unscheduled, totally unexpected episode of Phone Booth Fighting because we just got back from LA and we had so much content, we're gonna have to take uh, multiple opportunities throughout the next couple of weeks to crank them out, not just the one a week episode that you guys are used to posting up on Friday mornings. Okay, this episode, Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, Frank and I went to his hotel room and set up shop and recorded a podcast, basically like like an MMA slumber party with Mighty Mouse. You guys are going to hear that. Frank and I are also reacting to the major upset at UFC 199, Michael the Count Bisping, shocking the MMA world and becoming the UFC's middleweight champion. We're also talking about the return of Brock Lesnar at UFC 200. What Frank and I think about that, what Frank thinks about not being able to fight Brock Lesnar for a third time, at least not uh, right now. I know a lot of people have been lighting up the Twitterverse and the social media world in general about that and asking for it. So Frank and I will talk directly about that. We're going to cover those three topics and uh, tell you a little bit about our trip to LA and uh, all the content that we generated and what we've got to share with you guys over the next couple of weeks, including a blockbuster episode that's coming your way this Friday. More on that in a moment. Here's what we're not going to have a chance to talk about on this episode because uh, it was taped prior to these events happening. All right, number one, the passing of Kimbo Slice, which we were both very saddened to hear about. We taped this really a couple of hours before that news was announced. So we uh, obviously didn't know about it when we started rolling tape. Secondly, the reinstatement of Ariel Hawani by the UFC to the credentialed media row. Frank and I actually spent a lot of time talking about Ariel getting his credentials stripped. And then as soon as uh, we got done taping, we found out that, uh, sorry, it's a phone call coming in. Uh, we found out that he had been reinstated. So it kind of rendered a lot of that conversation obsolete. So what we'll do is uh, Frank and I will talk about both uh, Kimbo's passing and the reinstatement of Ariel Hawani on our next phone booth fighting podcast. But for this episode, Demetrius Johnson, UFC 199, Michael the Count Bisping is a middleweight champ of the world. Brock Lesnar is back. Who does Frank pick in the fight between Brock Lesnar and Mark Hunt? It's all coming your way right now after this word from B-Bald. Hair is so overrated. Sure, at first it grows, but eventually it goes. B-Bald Man Care products have quickly risen to the top of the leaderboard when it comes to skin care for men without. Search the web for bald products and discover what your bald brethren already know. B-Bald products are the single-source skin care solution for both your head and face. Listen to what our customers are saying. The B-Bald products are terrific. I'm not entirely bald, but I still use them on my head and my face, and they last an incredibly long time. My wife loves the scent. She said she'd follow it anywhere. I love the scent of the cleanser. I bought it for my boyfriend, and he liked it so much, I bought all the other B-Bald products, too. Thanks, B-Bald. You rock. Go to bbald.com right now to receive an additional 20% off just for trying us. Type in coupon code BBALD at checkout. That's B-E-E-B-A-L-D. This offer is only for a limited time. Go to bbald.com. That's B-E-E-B-A-L-D.com now. Oh,
It's phone booth fighting with myself, Richard Hunter, and the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Muir. A special edition of phone booth fighting, a bonus edition, if you will, Frank, because uh, you and I just got off the road. We're making a habit of this, and I'm enjoying it. Road trips, uh, the two of us. Me too. And uh, this time uh, around, we had our ladies in tow, turning heads. Brought our better halves. Yes, as we uh, headed... uh, Uh, Across state lines from Nevada into Southern California, Los Angeles to be exact. Sure, I was there to cover UFC 199, and we're going to talk about the uh, major results coming out of that here momentarily. But we were also taping some episodes, and that is why we're going to have two shows this week because we tape so and possibly next week too because we tape so much content we can't get it all into one week so let's talk about uh what we did here real quick before we talk about I'm glad the results you thought of, of something good about that because when we were sitting there doing the demetrius uh interview or, yeah or tag along when he was more of a co-host than really uh <laughs> being interviewed yeah i was like man we have so much material do we just not do a show next week as far as another one and just you know, that way, or you know, yeah. now we have enough material, we can go ahead and uh, book two. People have been wanting twice a week, and the thing is, at least for the next couple of weeks, you're probably going to get twice a week because we've got that much uh, content. Now, what we do past that, well, uh, we'll see. You know, we're uh, about to roll out a fund anything campaign to uh, help enhance the show's quality, both from an audio and a visual standpoint. Because we're going to, I know a lot of you guys have been clamoring for a video component. We want to make that happen. We're going to have to purchase some gear to do it. And so we're going to put together a Fund Anything campaign that is going to be chock full of perks and incentives that you are, if you are a fan of mixed martial arts, if you are a fan of Frank Mir specifically, I guess a distant third if you're a fan of mine. I was just saying, uh, you got to put yourself in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's probably some weirdo that... Uh, there's some young debate kid. Yes. Debate team kid out there. Yes. Free thinking that's uh, definitely going to be a fan. Yeah, maybe my... Yeah, Frank Mirror's okay, but I want to I want to have that Lincoln Douglas tutorial with uh, Richard. I'll make that available to you. We're, we're working on... You're going to have to go a, through that and explain it to me, because that's twice now you brought up the, the Lincoln Douglas... Sure. ...within the realms of debating... Yeah, yeah, I will. Uh, I will explain that. But just the Cliff Notes version is this: uh, it, it's Lincoln is in Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he and uh, one of his opponents, uh, Douglas. I can't remember Douglas's first name. Obviously, he he is lost to history because he lost the election. Uh, that style of debate is named after them. Kind of the modern day version of what you see in a debate, which is the point counterpoint, because there's a couple of different ways to do it. But do they actually answer the questions? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so you know what, it's I, not modern debate. That's true. Though. That's true. It's I won't even watch them anymore. I started yeah. getting to them a couple of years ago, watching yeah. the debates. Yeah. And my frustration was at such a high yeah. that every time I went back, I was like, okay, now who's stupid yeah if i keep going back and you keep slapping me in the face and i keep showing up and knocking on your door i'm the idiot eventually you know yeah uh and so with the debates nowadays i don't people even sometimes ask and you know for the purpose of our show there's times i have to go back and look at things and just Mm kind of get a you know a cliff note or you know type of uh, scenario going yeah but for the most part i'm just frustrated that nobody nowadays answers a question no that's true we will i'll tell you what we will do on a future very low rated episode of phone booth fighting i will break down the different styles of competitive debate 
But uh, for, for the purposes of this broadcast, just think of it like there's different forms of jiu-jitsu tournaments. Like there's Eddie Bravo's submission style, there's points debates, uh, things like that, or points uh, jiu-jitsu, things like that is basically what it comes down to. See, even uh, even Thule is like, uh, oh, God, don't get bogged down in all this kind of stuff. She's, she's becoming angry and aggressive at uh, the direction of the, the broadcast, so uh, I'll, I'll quickly shift gears. Uh, all right, so we're going to talk about UFC 199. Here's what we did. Uh, Frank and myself in LA we went to Paul Stanley's house Paul Stanley of Kiss Rock and Roll Hall of Famer my uh, childhood hero really honestly probably the most important male in my life as I look back on it and, uh, and that, you did not undersell him or oversell him I should say yeah in the least yeah because when we walked out of there I even uh, uh, Brett uh, texted me you know how did it go oh yeah and I was like that guy's a fucking Zen master. Yeah. Like talk about now he's in my top category of male role models. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh. I mean, there was times when you're sitting there talking, I had to remind myself to ask questions yeah. just to kind of, I'm looking at him like, just I'll put the microphone down. It's needless for me to even interject except for man, we're on a show. Cause if it was more of a, just uh, not that element was added into it. I don't think I would have said two words. We had an incredible conversation with him. If, if you didn't hear the last couple of weeks, uh, we discovered that Paul Stanley followed Frank on Twitter, and he was a big Frank Mir fan and was always posting stuff about Frank's fights. Frank uh, direct messaged him on Twitter, started a conversation that was some months back, and I asked Frank to just see if maybe he would do a phoner interview with us. And he said, nah, how about we do better than that? How about, you know, next time you guys are in L.A., you come to my house and we'll set up all the gear in my uh, home theater and we'll do it there. Home. Yeah, that's exact. We went to the, the uh, won't, won't, won't give out his home address, but let's just say we went way up into the Hollywood Hills. Well, what's the name of that street? Jennifer kept telling me how famous the street was yeah she was actually like a little taken back that i hadn't heard about it but yeah you know me and pop culture is not always yeah yeah i i guess i should do you think i should give it out surely it's public information yeah i mean the name yeah. of the street he's on it's a famous street that many celebrities yeah live it's, on. it's mulholland drive mulholland drive yeah exactly. she's like oh mulholland drive you have to know that i'm all all i know is when we went there i'm like uh, how do people not wreck on this yeah road? Yeah, it's very uh, windy. Uh, Jack Nicholson lives up there. Rod Stewart. There's a, there's a whole bunch of celebrities that live up there. But he had us out to his home. We set up all the gear in his uh, in his home theater there. He was incredibly gracious. That episode is going to air. We're going to post it up this Friday. And uh, it's it's really a full episode in and of it. He co-hosted the whole episode. And we talk mixed martial arts. Now, that's some people may hear this and they're like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm not that into rock or something, so I'm going to take that week off. Um, how many questions did he ask you, and how many thoughts did he share specifically about mixed martial arts? Well, you know what I loved about it was something that I've always, uh, you know, obviously, look, I have a tattoo of samurai on my back. I'm very in uh, the Hakaguri, you know, the book that uh, uh, was written, you know. Um, he embodies some of the characteristics it talks about when you, you basically take an art form to its highest form, all art forms essentially become the same thing. Hmm. They're basically an expression of yourself on how to better yourself. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, whether you're doing a samurai, you know, not only would they obviously know bow fighting and horseback riding and you know jujitsu and, yeah. and, and and whatnot, 
but they would do flower arrangement, poetry, because they were always trying to... Oh, yeah? Big time. Oh. Uh, they, um, uh, there's artwork that I have, or not that I personally have, but pictures of, for example, uh, um, uh, Mayamatu Musashi, one of the greatest samurai of all time, wrote the uh -huh. book of uh, Five Rings. And he ha it shows in there poetry that he's written, artwork that he actually uh, put together, huh. um, flower arrangements and whatnot. Because of, uh, again, an expression of yourself, when you express yourself in any medium of, of, of art, it's an expression of who you are. And then yeah. you can actually look at it, like musicians express themselves, comedians, fighters, you name it, art is an expression. And so it just really hit and drove home that theory I've always had, that others have had, that I've just, just stolen and embraced for myself, that all art form essentially is the same thing. It's, it's basically, it's a search of self-improvement, how to improve myself. Mm -hmm. And when Paul was speaking, that's what it was. Even though I would be completely lost if you put a guitar in my hands. Yeah. If you put me behind a drum set, I have no clue what to do. I never even played in band in high school. I uh, The recorders that they handed out in fifth grade, I never even took one home. Mm. I just, no artistic ability whatsoever. And here's an artist in the music world. But the life lessons that he was discussing, that everybody will be able to hear about, on Friday yeah hit home to me as a martial artist mm. as a father as a husband as a human being that gets up in the morning to brush your teeth and go all right what next what yeah. now like what do I do to attack the day and, and what's my purpose for being here mm -hmm. and um Man, uh, I hope that we had future interviews. And when we talked about maybe you know running into him again, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I might, you know, I might turn into a, a stage five clinger because yeah. every word that came out of his mouth, I was like, man, uh, we should write this down. Yeah. Like, like, Fortunately, oh, I was rolling tape. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, thank goodness we have this to preserve. Like yeah. the unedited tapes, I I need, I want a copy of. Yeah. Go back to. Well, good. You know what? And I'm glad to hear you. Uh, I, I'm 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 excited that you got that much out of it. I mean, I, I knew you enjoyed it because we talked about it before. Uh, you looked we, over, we you saw back. that Jennifer started crying. No. My wife, who was sitting across from yeah. me to the left of Paul Stanley. Right, you right, know, yeah. Um, some of the things he said was so inspirational. Yeah. She broke down into tears. Wow. Because it hit her so hard. Because, you know, she lives with me. Sure. And, and the whole struggle of life, you know, in a ring is just kind of an accelerated, you know, a metaphor yeah. for life itself. And some of the things he was saying just put into words some of the thoughts that, you know, I felt like he accelerated my learning curve 20 years, you know, into the future. It's like, wow, yeah. I might have gotten to this point when I was in my 60s, but now he's giving me, it's like, here's the shortcut, man. Just, yeah. this is what you should be doing. Wow. That is really, you know what, that, that that's, that's, that's really, uh, uh, that makes me feel good to hear for a couple of reasons. I want, I mean, obviously uh, that you guys got so much out of it, but also that, it kind of ties things together for me because, you know, I look at things uh, that speak to me or appeal to me, and sure, there's my whole world of, of, of martial arts, but then there's that, and you kind of tied that together for me just now in a way that I've never seen for myself. They are the same. Think yeah. about it. You as an yeah. artist, as a person, you're so much about truth. You always live in the truth. Yeah. If you think about it, your day-to-day -day life is very, you're a very inspirational person yourself. Uh, you're always trying to strip away what you are and bear whether you're happy or unhappy with it but not trying to create any falsehoods yeah and as an entertainer that's very much who you are and who you are as a person um and you see that that's why i guess i like fighting it's easier mm -hmm. i think musicians have a harder time of it because they go out there and express themselves and there's not an immediate result whether it's a good or bad thing you can go back to it and go well this is you know i stepped out of my comfort zone i was rewarded for it or it wasn't maybe years from now i will be rewarded for it who knows mm -hmm. it's much more abstract i mm -hmm. think whereas fighting you roll in jujitsu if all of a sudden you go and i show you a new technique 
and uh, you spend five minutes kind of practicing it, kind of not, but you don't give it as due diligence. You don't think about it. You don't let it own you. You don't own it. And now all of a sudden we go live two weeks later. And I'm like, hey, Rich, you practice that move? You're like, oh, yeah, man, no problem. I got it down. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden I put you on the mat with a guy of equal ability of you. We're going to see mm-hmm. real quickly if you really trained that move or not. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that's great about fighting. It's really quick to kind of tell you it's a truth factor. No, yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't train this yeah. move. You didn't give it due diligence. You didn't yeah. try to own this. Um, it's real apparent where uh, some of the other art forms are not so much there, but they are there. Um, just not as evident. Like a comedian, I can imagine you go up there, you have to try, there's a lot of failure, but if you just dial it in and you're not really trying to prepare yourself, it's going to show. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not yeah. be as painful physically yeah. <laughs> yeah. as it is on the mat when you make a mistake, but uh, you're there. You, it is the same thing. Yeah. And and as we were talking to him, and again, the whole episode with Paul Stanley will be posted up on Friday. He co-hosted the entire episode with us. So these things that we're kind of previewing now, you'll you'll really see what we're talking about when uh, the episode with Kisses Paul Stanley co-hosting uh, Phone Booth Fighting posts on Friday. But, you know, as he was taking us through the decades, and these guys, he and Gene Simmons, uh, the, the two original members of Kiss, have been doing this at this level for almost 50 years. It's half a century. And as he was taking us through the decades, and I, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little younger than Kiss, but not by much. I mean, they basically, we've been together every step of the way, you know, within, I w- we were both born within a year or two of each other. And it's, you know, when he was talking about his affinity for, for fighting, and we were talking about what appeals to him yes. and everything, and he was talking about not only what appealed to him, but he was talking about being there live to see uh, Muhammad Ali and Leon Spinks. I remember that as a little kid. I mean, I I, I was only able to just kind of follow it on television. You know, this was back Did before the Leon days Spinks? of pay per view. Yeah, he was at the Ali Spinks fight. Wow, but, I thought he said the. Uh, oh man, because when I was even in the thing, so now people when they hear me, yeah, I was talking about how it was a brutal fight. I think it was Larry Holmes. Oh, yeah, what yeah. what I was thinking he said. Yeah, because Spinks was, uh, that was the one where Spinks knocked out Ali, but it was, he was the big underdog in the fight. That's yeah. when Spinks became the heavyweight champion. But, you know, I, it was it was tying up a lot of loose ends for me, I guess, because if you were to ask me what I was into in my childhood, I would say, you know, music, Kiss, obviously, was my favorite band, and boxing. I love boxing. I look forward to it coming on television. I always watch it. I didn't like any other sports. I didn't like football. I lived in Dallas. I mean, everybody thought the Dallas Cowboys yeah, hung the moon. Dallas I could have cared. Not playing football or not being involved in football. Yeah. That's weird. You and, might be the first guy from Texas. And this and this is when the the Roger Staubach, Tony Dorsett Cowboys were in Super Bowls. No interest. I was interested in boxing, and I was interested in music. And then when Paul was talking about the similarities he saw between the two and how one for him spoke to the other and motivated the other, I was like, wow, I, I get it now. I get it why I've I've turned out this way. And, you know, my girlfriend, Jennifer, is, is, is funny because having witnessed it personally, I told her, I said, uh, she even said, she, are you sure you want me to come along? She just didn't want to be in the way. You know, she's like, are you sure we're, it's okay, I'm invited? I said, no, no, it's fine. You know, we Paul knows Frank and I are going to be there, and I told him we were, you know, going to bring our, our wife and our, our girlfriend. I said, but I said, you know what? I, I really, really want you there. This was before I knew the experience we were going to have. I said, I 
don't, I want you to be there so that when I tell the story for the rest of my life, you are a witness to it rather than me having to try to describe to you what went on. Because I'm, I'm probably just going to tell the story to most people one time. But if it's a person you live with, how many times will it come up? And oh, I know you weren't there, but you've heard me tell the story a million times. So, and, and, and she's even said, because, you know, I have a, um, I have a theory that I've shared before where I actually think if you were a big enough Kiss fan as a kid that your personality will most closely resemble your favorite band member. Like your adult personality will really kind of resemble it. And she's like, I see it. She's like, there are so many Paul Stanley-isms in your personality. We could go on forever about this, but I'll just tell you that it's, it's as hopefully you can tell by the enthusiasm in our voice that what we got on tape uh, with this full episode of Kisses Paul Stanley co-hosting Phone Booth Fighting has really uh, invigorated both myself and Frank. And I tell you what, Frank, I mean, it, apart from just getting to meet uh, a childhood hero and have that once-in-a-lifetime experience, it motivated me. I mean, the last, you know, what's it been, 72 hours, four days since we taped that episode, I know I've been working harder on, like, on this podcast. I mean, we've been cranking out content. We taped basically four shows in two days out there, and I'm just, you know, I, I was doing a lot of stuff on it before, but, I mean, now it's because you see somebody like that that's on top. Literally on top, living at the you know in the in the high up in the Hollywood Hills of uh, of L.A., somebody who would have as easy of a time just mailing it in and coasting as anybody, but yet somebody at that age and Paul's you know pushing sixty five now who's just working as hard as he can. Absolutely, and it's like man, you know, if you're still working that hard, like you said, striving Most human to improve. People- I know that if they would have the royalties and, you know, they could fall back not only just financially, but just um, personally, as far as goals reached and met, he's met a lot of goals and and, and he's had fame and success and he's uh, accomplished a lot in his life. He could sit back on his laurels and just chill out and be like, yeah, you know, it's time for me just to cruise and enjoy the the fruits of my labor and he's still out there laboring creating more fruit yeah so the paul stanley uh episode will post this friday at phoneboothfighting.com in itunes and on stitcher as well uh we also taped with the ufc flyweight champion of the world demetrius mighty mouse johnson we're gonna play that for you guys here in just a minute mighty mouse had us over to his hotel room he was in la to do the q a that uh immediately preceded the ufc 199 weigh-ins and uh do you know that demetrius was actually asked um in the media room i saw a scrum that he did and people are some of the media is picking up on this friendship that you and Demetrius had. They're describing it as MMA's odd couple. Have you heard about this? <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't yet. He was actually getting asked about it in the scrum because I guess people maybe saw the picture of you two guys where you ran into each other in Cancun, stuff right. like that. So uh, we may have us a, a sitcom buddy comedy after all. An interesting reality show. Huh? Yeah. So uh, Mighty Mouse is going to be uh, with us here just uh, momentarily. You'll hear the audio uh, that we did from uh, his hotel room in LA always a, a fun guy to have on and, and always in a great mood I actually kind of like to meet the guy that doesn't like him I know yeah you know what that's a I've heard you say a couple it, it, you said that about me and that was very nice the time yeah. you said about me but I that that's a nice compliment to get when somebody says 
everybody, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to be uh, everybody's best friend, but just in terms of, I think that's such a great legacy to have, if you can say that for yourself, Absolutely. that you know there's nobody out there that would just have a nightmare story to tell about or just a, a horrible take on you well, as a human being and some people are you know uh polar you know or extremists polarizing you know? yeah yeah you know polarizing you're right uh mm -hmm. to where either you know you you either love them or you yeah. hate them and and it kind of comes down to just your taste yeah you know? and i have friends that you know that i like and then i have friends that don't like those friends and i completely can see and validate yeah. their reasons like yeah no i understand but you know it works with me and so uh but then there's those guys out there that aren't you know for example like dominic cruz uh -huh. i like dominic cruz yeah. i think he's a likable guy extremely intelligent mma mind um there are people that don't like him and i get it it doesn't bother me you know i don't sit there and go really ha, ha. explain yourself I, mm -hmm. I understand you know he's very confident kind of speaks his mind he, he you know he's a very brash individual but he backs it up and so some people that rubs him the wrong way and i understand um i like him but uh you know with demetrius it's like how could you not like the guy yeah i think so too and you'll hear the audio uh momentarily with uh demetrius or a little bit later on in uh, this show let's talk about what happened this past saturday night uh ufc 199 and i'm gonna start with the big announcement that came out of 199 sure there was a middleweight title change sure uh dan henderson uh, scored one of the most dramatic victories of his career that could, it. <laughs> could possibly, you sure did, you sure did, could possibly punctuate or uh, uh, signal the, the end of his Hall of Fame career. We'll talk about all that. But the big news uh, coming out of UFC 199 announcement-wise is that Brock Lesnar is returning to the UFC for one night only at UFC 200. And so here's what happened. I'm in the arena Saturday night. Promo is running for UFC 200 right before the main event. New one they've shot. Uh, nobody's seen it yet. And you see uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier. They'll be in the main event, of course, for the light heavyweight title. You see Misha Tate and Amanda Nunez. Uh, you see, uh, they show some of the other, other fighters on the card. And then right at the end you hear a voice saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And then Brock Lesnar's face just momentarily flashes on the screen and then complete pitch black. It was almost like a, did I, like you blinked and you missed it. Like, did I, whoa, was that Brock Lesnar? Did I just see Brock Lesnar? There was no, it didn't say his name. There was no text on it or whatever. It was very effectively done in terms of catching everybody. Fight huh? Very. Yeah, it was, it was very effectively done in terms of catching everybody off guard. And then it was revealed that his uh, opponent would be announced uh, on Monday morning. Turns out that opponent is Mark Hunt, your last opponent. So we'll, we'll talk about the matchup here in a second. But announcement was made. Brock will be in the co-main event. Apparently a deal was worked out with the WWE because he's still under contract to them that for one night only he will be allowed to come over to the UFC. I, I have not, the, the UFC has not commented yet on what, if anything, was given in the way of compensation to the WWE. There is a theory out there that perhaps the UFC traded the Brock Lesnar appearance for maybe having, uh, can you hear that? No, it's okay. Do it. Go ahead. You can mic her. Oh, now she's microphone shy. Hi, baby. Hi, baby. 
Frank put the microphone down by baby's uh, mouth. Tooley, little Tooley. dog. Oh, that's Tooley. This is Tooley. How do you tell him? Can you tell him apart? Yeah. Oh, you can? I'm like okay. a parent with twins. Oh, yes. Okay. I, mean, I can tell him apart. Okay, very good. <laughs> we'll put a picture of her up uh, at uh, Phone Booth Fighting on Instagram so everybody can see. We're going to get to why Frank isn't fighting Brock Lesnar because, believe it or not, there's a ton of people who don't know why that's not possible. Your social media, my social media, Phone Booth Fighting social media – just blew up with people demanding to see the third fight in your trilogy with Brock Lesnar. So we'll talk about that in a second. I know a lot of people who are regular listeners to the podcast know know why that is not happening, but but uh, we got to remember that everybody is is not up to speed. And I'll tell you, in the arena, uh, I as soon as I saw that Brock was coming back, just from a personal standpoint, I was thinking, damn it. Because that was a payday. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> that was a fat payday. And, and you know, there would be there is nobody who has a more compelling reason to fight Brock Lesnar again in the UFC than you. You hold a win over him. He holds a win over you. It's the only trilogy fight he could have. And so, obviously, everybody would naturally jump to the conclusion that uh, uh, you would be the logical choice. But you're, you're currently under suspension for USADA, and that dates back all the way to, what is it, March 7th? Yeah, March? I think officially the suspension started on April 8th. Okay, there you go. So, so April 8th, and then, uh, you know, that's a two-year suspension unless things change. So I, I guess because I've been living that with you, um, it caught me off guard. I mean, when I say social media was bombarded, I mean— this was my Twitter account, let alone the way yours was. I mean, it was just you'd, you'd scroll and scroll for miles and not run out of all the people saying, well, it's obvious what needs to happen here. It's it's Mir versus Lesnar 3. You know, and that just shows you that a lot of people don't realize, you know, what happens, especially sometimes after fights like what happened with USADA. They are just not aware of that that element of ineligibility. So uh, there's a lot of people. The good news is there's a lot of people that wanted to see uh, that fight that remember the first one and the second one. Let me ask you this. Do you think before we talk about Mark Hunt? Let's say the uh, USADA factor was 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 not in your life right now. Do you think Brock would have been willing to take a rematch with you? I think so. I think that he's a competitive guy. And, um, you know, if he's going to step in the octagon, he's going to want to get his paid as much as he can yeah. for that appearance. I mean, he's closing in on 40. Uh, so why not a fight with me? A fight with me is going to be a much bigger payday. Uh, the two of us together yeah. is going to make a much more, uh, you know, impact than him versus anybody else. Mm-hmm. The storyline is just not going to be the same. The interest is not going to be the same. Um, I think that even two years from now, when I come back out of the suspension, uh, a fight with Lesnar is still, you know. If oh, he, yeah. If he's uh, still around. If he still wants to come back yeah. again, um, it's still a huge fight. It is. It just, it's massive. Yeah. Um, because of what he brings to the table, what I bring to the table, and what the history we've had together. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But that's out of my control. I mean, obviously I'm still trying to work on, you know, what that metabolite is. I do have some, uh, you know, positive, uh, uh, things going on as far as, uh, several baseball players keep coming up with this metabolite. Mm -hmm. The good news is, is that, um, 
it's only that one metabolite. Whereas if you were really taking this drug, you would have a few of these metabolites in your system. Mm. So now, uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, the WADA lab that's testing the baseball guys is having to relook over their testing procedure and go back and actually see uh, if maybe the, something else is triggering a false positive. Uh, I think people can relate to that in the cases when, you know, when drug testing for recreational drugs first came out. Um, people were losing their kids and, and losing, uh, you know, uh, were, were uh, in trouble with parole <laughs> because they were, you know, uh, inducing uh, positive tests uh, for marijuana or for other drugs. And enough people that happened to, you know, obviously it took years of uh, them clamoring of innocence for them to go back over the testing procedures and find out that certain things did cause false positives. Yeah. Uh, this is a relatively new test, only two years old. So uh, we're looking at the, the fact that, you know, just like how poppy seeds back in the day used to cause false positives for THC, they had to re-strengthen the test and reevaluate it to where now that's no longer an issue in that case. But how many people tested positive that were innocent that weren't redeemed until years later? That's why uh, the opponent is not Frank Mir for Brock Lesnar, and that's assuming he would have taken the fight and the deal could have been worked out, but it sure seems like uh, it, that that would have been the logical choice in judging Again, from all of the posts on all of our social media, that was uh, the way that all the fans were thinking. So because Frank has ineligibility, you got to look elsewhere. Now the question became, and before it was announced it was Mark Hunt this morning, Frank, the question for me was, is this going to be a legitimate contender? Or is this going to be like they're going to get Shane Carwin out of retirement or... Like I even saw Tim Sylvia's name mentioned. You know, like would they would they re-sign with the with the uh, the UFC almost said the WWE would the UFC re-sign another veteran for one night only to fight Brock Lesnar for one night only if they wanted to make it kind of more of an exhibition fight? And I thought maybe that was going to be what was going to happen. And no, uh, in fact, Mark Hunt was my personal choice. If you were to ask me who was out there, I thought about uh, Mark Hunt and Roy Nelson. Now, I know Roy already had a fight book, but I thought, well, in the interest of this, maybe you switch it up. But I thought, I'll bet they'd like to put him against uh, a puncher uh, who maybe wouldn't be much of a ground threat to him. Now, Roy could, could, could give him some trouble if he got him to the ground in a way that I don't think Mark Hunt can. I mean, with Hunt... Mark's going to stand and bang with you. If Brock can wrestle Mark to the ground, then I think uh, Mark's uh, uh, Brock's got a chance of of smashing him down there. That's my take. What's yours? No, I agree. I think it's going to be. Um, I think we're going to know who's going to win this fight in the first 180 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hunt is uh, the hardest puncher I've ever faced, and I've pretty much faced I think everybody in the uh, top 10, uh, except for Cain uh, Velasquez and um, who already has a win over Brock. And uh, the current champion, Stipe. Well, and then also uh, Fabricio Verdum. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, it's a dangerous fight for the reason that he hits so hard. And Brock has shown that, you know, through what people, you know, Pat Barry after training with him came out and said that even in sparring, he doesn't, you know, they don't want people to hit him hard. Right. Uh, we saw that in the fights. The minute um, uh, people got past the initial takedown, 
you saw it in the Cain Velasquez fight. Once he was able to start getting his rhythm and punching Brock, Brock, I even saw a real comical meme on the internet where when he, you know, did like a 360 and ran backwards and kind of did some breakdancing moves mm -hmm. to avoid being hit. And even when he was on his back, his defense was very uh, strange. Mm -hmm. We kind of started seeing hints of that when he fought uh, Shane Carwin. Mm -hmm. uh, that first round arguably could have been easily stopped and Carwin could have uh, won that fight in a lot of people's opinion if you go back and look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the referee really gave Brock a lot more leeway than other fighters have been afforded in our sport as far as when a fight should be stopped or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then even you watch the fight with uh, his last fight with uh, Alistair Overeem, you know, he took a jab and then took a kick to the body and he, you know, he sat down against the cage and waved the fight off. Uh, he doesn't like to be hit. Not that anybody likes to be hit, but Brock, for Me whatever neither. reason, has shown much more of a dramatic, uh, 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 response to the negativity of taking those shots yeah to the point to where he's not asleep it isn't like he got knocked out he's not getting dropped and you know uh, but he just you know he turns his face away from uh adversity and that's a bad thing when fighting mark hunt who again i think is one of the hardest punchers in the division and he has low center of gravity he's not easy to take down even in his loss his last loss to uh stipe stipe had a hard time taking him down in the first round. Stipe is young and he's uh, resilient and he kept up the pace and was able to wear him down and in the fourth round was able to eventually get the uh, the stoppage through multiple takedowns and gas mark out, but they're in a three-round fight. and uh, But on the positive side of it, so I, I've stated why I think it's a dangerous fight for Brock. Uh, you know, Hunt is able to fight with his hands down because he has such a phenomenal chin. And so he's able to have his underhook already kind of ready for any kind of takedowns on the legs. He has that wide hips, very powerful guy. He's not the easiest guy to put down. And he, at any moment, you know, his quickness is uh, very deceiving. He's able to, you know, step in real fast and throw a very powerful right hand or left hook and hurt people badly. I mean, if Brock tries to use the uh, type of cover where he uses his hands to kind of bring up and block the shots, that shot can still ring through and stun him and hurt him. Um, uh, so that's, again, going why I think it's a dangerous fight for Brock. Why Brock could come out and be successful is if he is able to take um, uh, Hunt down and control him, uh, Hunt has been known to get tired on the ground and get fatigued. Not that I, uh, I'm thinking that you know Brock's going to finish him with a submission right off the bat, but if Brock is able to take him down early in the first round and stay on top and not get the referee to start the fight over and wear him down and sap some of that power out of his punching, then I think the fight will continue to get easier for him and maybe he can eventually get a stoppage or a referee's decision. So it really comes down to who's able to get their game plan. If Brock comes out there and gets a takedown on his first attempt or two, I think that you know if I, at that moment you say okay bet i'm like all right i'll go with brock mm -hmm. if uh, brock takes a shot and you know hunt shugs it off and starts stalking him down and brock's eyes get real wide and now he's in a striking match with mark hunt i think that if you say okay now bet i'm going to take hunt i think that eventually one of those punches is going to land he has a big uppercut you know he was able to uh knock out uh roy nelson with that uppercut so if brock just thinks he's going to shoot from three four feet away to avoid taking any shots he eats an uppercut i think it's going to hurt him badly so it just depends on how determined he is to go in there uh as far as is he going to be prepared i would think that a four-week camp at this point would favor Lesnar because I think that Lesnar was signing contracts to make an appearance on short notice on UFC 200 um, 
that has to weigh in his favor. I would think that he's been training and getting ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunt, I don't know. I, I would think that Hunt might not have been in the gym. So now does that mean mm-hmm. that he's going to jump in the gym right now and start getting ready? Uh, that could be kind of scary as far as if he gets taken down, that only puts more weight in the fact that if Lesnar does get the takedown, Mark's going to get even more fatigued if he only had you know three weeks really to train for the fight. Well, uh momentarily Lesnar was announced as a favorite by oddsmakers before quickly becoming the underdog in this fight. So now Mark Hunt is the favorite. You've been in the cage with both of them. If you had to make a pick, who do you like? I have to slide over for Mark. I think he's been more consistent of years. Uh, the last couple of years, he's been training to fight. Where Lesnar's, you know, that's not where he's been making his uh, his money. He's been doing yeah. pro wrestling, and that's where you know that's what pays the bills. So obviously, a lot of his time and energy has gone towards that. How much time has he been spending in the gym on working on his striking skills and improving the holes he had in his game? And I may be completely wrong. I'm not over there in Minnesota or South Dakota, wherever he's located now, knowing what he's been doing with his off time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I would think right off the hand, I'm betting on Mark. He's been in there more consistently in the last couple of years against really game opponents. I think that uh, once their strengths match up against each other, it's a hard takedown. Uh, it's not an easy way. I mean, you've never really seen anybody just come through and blast Mark onto his butt in you know the first minute or two of a match. But if anybody's capable of doing it, the uh, former NCAA champion, who's probably one of the most uh, you know prestigious heavyweight wrestlers to walk into the UFC... And the possibility is with uh, Brock. But, again, I, I could just see it. Brock, pretty much, like I said, it's going to be that first exchange. If he comes in and is controlled and he's able to, but talk about a lot of ring rust. The guy has – when's the last time he was in the octagon? Well, that that's right. And I, I was going to say, too, to take into consideration that even in the last couple of fights with Brock in, in the UFC, we were seeing him decline, right? With Mark Hunt, we've actually seen him get – better in my yeah, opinion i mean he's been even more yeah i mean uh, later in his career mm-hmm. he's gotten better he has and um, so they've kind of been going two different directions mark knows i mean i think mark realizes the guy's gonna try to put me on my back yeah what other way does really does uh does um brock have to win uh, i mean brock is extremely athletic uh, maybe he takes a note out of uh fabricio's um playbook you know change levels for a double if you know, Hunt really respects it and sprawls, and then he can jump in the air with a flying knee. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock's an extremely powerful athletic guy. That could be a way. But as far as just a pure striking match back and forth where he's not able to put Mark down and wear on him, uh, Hunt hits hard. I mean, he can swing to the body. I mean, if I was in Mark's corner, I'd be like, all right, come out. You know, you can kind of start, you know, popping the jab a little bit, but we're going to aim everything from his chest down. If we connect with his body, Mark's punches are so hard that if he lands something on Brock's body, and I think that throws Brock off, trying to change levels and shoot on a guy who's throwing punches to the body, you have to try to bring the guy back up. That means you're going to have to punch with him. Well, Brock extends that jab to try to lull Mark into bringing his guard up high, well, that also extends and opens him up for that overhand right or that lead uh, left hook that Mark is so good at. Yeah, I'm with you on your pick, too. I, I like Hunt in this, although uh, I, I will certainly give credit to Lesnar for, for not taking a gimme opponent. I mean, this is this is an actual compelling matchup. When you tell me this is a co-main event of UFC 200, I will tell you as it should be. So uh, it's good to see it. Yeah, Definitely brings a lot of attention. Uh, I would like to have seen Brock have a fight built up, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, have eight weeks, 10 weeks to help sell the fight, get people's attention. 
you know, taking the fight on such short notice to jump on a card such as UFC 200. To me, UFC 200 is already a, a sold out big massive card you have you know john jones arguably one of the best fighters in the world pound mm -hmm. for pound uh fighting daniel cormier who's one of the best fighters in the world both guys have titles uh you have the first title defense by misha tate who just had a spectacular win over the undefeated holly holm uh it's a huge card. I almost wonder if it's a waste of just trying to throw Brock in there real quick in three or four weeks. What would it have been to give him, you know, the New York card, you know, mm -hmm. something that's a bit farther down the road to help build it up. Uh, the magnitude I think would have done much better. Mark, you know, Brock is such a uh, phenomenon. He can sell out any card he's on, regardless of who you put across from him uh, to put him on this card. I get it. I mean, you want UFC 200 to be huge, but I mean, at a certain point, there's only so many seats. <laughs> when you first heard the news, though, Frank, that Brock Lesnar had signed for UFC 200, I'm sure, you know, just like all the fans thought, okay, well, you know, let's, the ones who didn't, didn't realize the, the circumstances were saying, all right, let's, you know, bring on Frank Mir. Did you allow yourself a particularly personal moment of frustration about the USADA situation because now it's even worse. I did. I let myself, obviously, it's hard, to, not that I let myself, I had, it was unavoidable, yeah. the uh, despair of the lost opportunity. I think in life, everybody can relate when they sit there and pass over for a promotion or a missed opportunity and ah, forever this will be a missed opportunity for me due to the situation that I'm in. Uh, maybe that's also too what kind of led to my thinking when people first came over and were telling me and I saw on my phone the Lesnar was coming back. I was like, ah, I don't believe it. Fool me once, shame on me. Are you fool me twice, yeah. right? Just because the last time there was rumblings and stirrings of Brock making a return, uh, he used it basically, in my opinion, he kind of used us, the UFC, to stir up the pot when he went and re-signed back in with the uh, WWE. Yeah, maybe get a better offer from right. them because there was a competing bid. Uh, right, and so that's actually the first thing that hit my brain was yeah. that when they're like, oh, you know, Brock's going to come back at UFC 200, I'm like, Who's been talking about Brock for the last couple of months? Yeah. This just brought his name back into uh, to the fold. He's now the center of attention again. And he has a big match in August for the WWE, where, uh, one of the pro wrestling events. And I'm like, oh, man, he's not going to fool us again. Is he Is he really going to fight? Or is this just mm -hmm. him you know, telling the UFC, yeah, sure, I'll show up a week before the fight. He has an injury, can't make it, whatever the case may be. And now he doesn't show up to the fight. But all the publicity and everything, he's back on the map. He's going to fight again. But now he goes and does his pro wrestling match. Numbers are through the roof. It looks good for them, that what he brought to the uh, table. But he used and leveraged us as the fans of the UFC to do so. Um it's not like it's not the first time he's done that. Yeah. No, that looks like it's uh, it's it's the real deal and oh, uh, we'll see on the night of UFC 200. And and you know what, just because it's not happening at UFC 200 doesn't mean that uh, Brock Lesnar Frank Mir 3 doesn't happen at some point. Michael Bisping goes into the main event at UFC 199 as a late replacement for the injured Chris Weidman finally gets a middleweight title shot that had eluded him his entire career despite being a top contender throughout most of the last decade having uh defeated most recently the greatest mixed martial artist of all time many believe anderson silva uh a lot of people felt like even though at that point that fight wasn't for the belt that that was when you talked about michael bisbee getting a title shot over the last 10 years it was always associated with anderson silva because he was the only guy that was champion until recently so i think for a lot of people they felt like they saw michael bisbee in that 
title fight against uh, Anderson Silva, even though the title was gone. Personally, that's how I felt about it. Yeah, and credit to him for winning it, okay? He gave great accounting of himself. Uh, This fight was supposed to be a rematch between Rockhold and Weidman. It ends up being a rematch between Rockhold and Bisping. Bisping has a couple of weeks' notice to take the fight. Uh, the first fight ended up with the only submission of Michael Bisbing's career. Rockhold was able to submit him. This time around, Michael Bisbing knocks out Luke Rockhold cold and shocks the mixed martial arts world, claims the middleweight title. And, um, you know, I've, I've said before that I was, I was beginning to wonder if Michael Bisbing, when his career was said and done, was not going to be making a case for the Hall of Fame without ever having held a title, and now I agreed with you when you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, and now that he's done that, I, I I have to have to take a final look at it before I sign off on it. But I'm I'm feeling like Michael Bisbing might have just uh, elevated himself to uh, certainly a a strong potential for a Hall of Fame career oh, with that win Saturday night. Uh, all right, so here's what happened. He knocks out Luke Rockholt cold. I'm not sure what was a better fight, the fight that was in the cage or the one that took place at the post-fight press conference, and we'll play some audio of that momentarily. First of all, your thoughts on that upset? Well, I think that uh, you know anybody can go back and listen to our last podcast. Uh, I believed that uh, you know I'm a big fan of uh, Bisbing. I think he has great striking, great all-around fighter, great grappling, good martial artist all over, uh, well-rounded, great footwork and mobility. But I just felt that you know because of their last outing and because of the you know the reach and the uh, the training partners that. Rockhold has and after watching what he was able to do with Weidman I gave the advantage to Luke I thought yeah. that you know that maybe on their feet you know uh, Bisbing would frustrate him you know at first be so elusive and, and catch him with shots but I, I'd never really seen Bisbing really hurt people badly with his hands I seen him frustrate them and give him a clinic on striking but then eventually Luke would be able to you know he has five rounds to work with be able to grab him and impose his superior size and grappling and you know bear down on him and basically big man him a little bit when it comes to the grappling uh really you know he has a great you know uh, mount and top game as far as grappling is concerned he's a really legitimate black belt there um but you know uh four ounce gloves with your hands wrapped anything can happen and yeah i think that uh it really it looked like uh luke was a little too relaxed a little too comfortable and almost you know when people said he looked overconfident it's kind of hard to argue against that you know he threw out there and kind of threw a jab with no kind of urgency to bring it back uh Mm -hmm. he just kind of threw a jab almost kind of mid-level uh to the body or you know low on uh bisbing and bisbing was able to sidestep it you know with with a head movement and come across and clipped him with that left hook uh and that really shook and wobbled uh luke and you know luke took a knee dropped tried to come back up which i think would have been smarter at that point if he just would have sat down and maybe just taken that as a loss and you know pull guard regain his uh his Mm. bearings and then work his way back up or you know fight from there but uh you know we've seen time and time again if you take a bad shot sometimes coming up too soon uh can be very uh bad uh it, it seems like it's counterintuitive but i think that it's it's kind of good to go ahead and just you know take the ground and pound for a minute or two uh tie up your opponent and try to gain your uh, bearings uh whether th- rather than to jump back up to your feet and try to exchange with a guy who's now uh in killer mode he has blood in the water and he's coming after you and yeah. your brains aren't completely back on uh full uh, alert and so, uh, you know, Bisbing was great killer instincts, was able to go out there and land another left hook, finished him. And then as soon as uh, 
you know, Luke Rockhold, you know, fell to his butt. He didn't really bring his hands up or his feet up to try to defend himself. It almost looked like he was trying to, uh, I think he was just, I think he was out, but not out yet. He uh, went into uh, his reaction was to try to, you know, put all four to the floor with his hands and feet, walked, you know, slide his butt to the cage so he can try to come back up. And uh, he caught uh, another devastating uppercut. <laughs> that was the end of it. Let's listen to some of the post-fight uh, press conference audio. And normally, having been to a whole bunch of these things, even the most bitter of feuds, usually, uh, at the post-fight press conference are somewhat uh, tempered. You know, maybe even, I mean, D Daniel Cormier and John Jones still don't like each other, but the night after they fought, Daniel Cormier wasn't, uh, uh, you know, talking up a, a trashy blue streak to, to John Jones that night. You know, fight's over and, hey, you got the better of me or whatever. Usually there's some type of – there was even that kind of acknowledgement from Uriah Faber of Dominic Cruz after their co-main event, but not the case with Rockhold and Bisping. So let's listen. i got a couple of minutes of uh, audio here. This is uh, courtesy of uh, MMA Junkies' YouTube channel. Let's, uh, let's listen – to Rockhold and Bisbing in the post-fight uh, presser, this uncensored uh, audio, and then what happens even after the post-fight press conference broke up. That was really extraordinary. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to me and says, you know where you are? Huh? Like, I fucking picked you up off the canvas and gave you respect. That guy's a piece of shit, and I want to fucking come kill him. Next time around. Um, I'm Rockhold curious. Good man down. Grab that well, 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 how do you? I am the champion of the world, people. How do you feel? I say I told you so. Pick up the mic, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Hi, everybody. <laughs> how how do you feel uh, getting revenge? Uh, oh, I don't know. Some say revenge is sweet. I disagree. I think it's better than sweet. Luke, come on, buddy. When the shoe was on the other foot, I leaned over and thanked you at this moment in time. I said, well done. Yeah, and I actually picked you up off the canvas. And you, being the dick you are, came up to me and was a bitch I shook your it. hand. And, and you said, I already shook your hand and told me to fuck off, basically. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you are, buddy? Yeah, oh. that's after you. Yeah. Were, hey, buddy, you, you got knocked the fuck dick. out. Hey. You got knocked out, buddy. Sit down, shut up. You got up. lucky. All right. You oh, yeah. Real lucky. Business. First round, buddy. First round. What an asshole, guys. I will come back and fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're slightly calling me an asshole. You want to take a good a look at a proper asshole? <laughs> I'm ready. Oh. Doesn't matter. I, I think... Uh, Wasn't that my line? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's flip I bet switch. you are. Let's but you just got switch. knocked out. I think you suspended. Yeah. For a little while, you're suspended, probably 90 days until you yeah. get your MRI checked. 90 checked. days, you take your vacation, I'll be bro, ready. Bro, 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 you're suspended, shut the fuck up. You're an incredible fighter, Luke, you really are, and I congratulate you for making me step up my game to come at you, you know, but, but don't be a dick. Michael, my, Hi. my last question to you is, you know, you believed in it being your destiny, how... Look, Bisbing's a dick, but he's a warrior and he's tough and he's going to hang in there. I, I gave him an opportunity and he made the most of it. Give me an opportunity, will be the end of it. I think I, I think I've earned mine, but I will do whatever I need to do. But it, it will be a, a short-lived destiny. I promise you. You just can't let it go, can you? You just can't let it go. How those lemons taste? Definitely deserves a third fight. You know, let's be honest. You know, he, he's he's an incredible champion. He's pound for pound one of the best in the world. You know. 
There you go. I, I did well tonight. Oh, thanks. And I came back to you. No, 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 no. Because you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, they're right there at the end uh, after the the post fight press conference. The audio that was captured there, you hear uh, Michael Bisbing call Luke Rockhold a faggot. And he, even Bisbing, immediately realized, oh, shouldn't have said that. Yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, that got on tape. So haven't heard anything from Glad uh, this week, but uh, maybe they uh, they had a, a other plans Saturday night, and they haven't seen the uh, tape yet. But anyway, uh, what yeah. do you what are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, you know Bisbing. I'll give you my quick thought and get you to react to this. Perhaps you know Bisbing goes from being a consolation prize in a matchup that was supposed to be a highly anticipated rematch of Rockhold and Weidman to now a marketable money fight in that trilogy. Biz being taken on Rockhold now. I mean, imagine the buildup to that fight. Rockhold's submission against Bisbing's knockout and all that bad blood. It's huge. I think that, uh, you know, we always talk about not giving immediate rematches. And, you know, I, I know Chris Whiteman is a phenomenal warrior and champion, and he's really biting at the bit to get back in there and, and yeah. win his title back. But uh, I'm the company. I see all the more reason, you know, a Bisping a Weidman fight is not going to sell as much as a rematch with uh, Rockhold. So, you know, maybe throw somebody at uh, Weidman to keep him busy. Go out there. I mean, he, he did get injured and had to pull out. Uh, uh, that's just unfortunate, not his fault. Uh, injuries happen when you train hard. Uh, but as far as selling out a house, I just can't imagine a bigger fight in the middleweight division than having Bisbing defend the title against Luke Rockhold. I mean, just even the uh, post-fight uh, conference was one of the bigger of, yeah. uh, of recent memory that I could think of. I'd love to see that fight run back, and and uh, and, and I'm excited to see Bisbing as, as a middleweight champion for a bit. I mean, you know, if, if the UFC has been somewhat victimized by some – anonymous uh title holders at least in terms of the casual fan in recent years such will not be the case with michael bisbing because uh he can promote a fight for you and uh anything that bisbing is involved in in the main event picture as champion i think is going to translate now to uh marketing dollars for for the ufc at least in terms of uh of of pre-fight buildup but also a guy who can deliver obviously once he's in there i mean that will now go down, I think, is one of the bigger upsets in UFC uh, title history. Two weeks, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Redeeming a loss over uh, such a, a dominant-looking mm-hmm. uh, fighter in Luke. Absolutely. But it's great, too, that I'm glad that he had the fight with Anderson beforehand. So yeah. they can't just say this is a flash in the yeah. pan, that yeah. he just got a fight on short notice and was lucky because, you know, he had a five-round war with Anderson and pulled out the decision. He went in there all five rounds with who people arguably say was one of the best, you know, ever. Yeah. And so to come out there and now go fight for the title and win it, I think gives him, he's the legitimate champion. I don't think this is just a flash in the pan. Not to say that if they fight again, I mean, it's the UFC, you know, it's hard to hold on to titles. But as far as 
as being, you know, a, a true champion. This wasn't just an anomaly. This isn't just, you know, uh, something. Bisbing's put in a lot of work. He's He has great victories and great fights with a lot of the who's who in the middleweight division. And so going out there, uh, you know, he's the champion right now. And, you know, sitting back and I don't think he needs to turn around and fight in eight weeks and give Luke a, a rematch and go home and enjoy being the champ. And six months from now when he comes back in there, uh, I see that Luke would be the most, uh, you know, most uh, you know intelligent choice for the the division. Having that matchup just to me seems like the biggest one you can possibly make. And then, if whoever's the winner, you have a phenomenal fight with Weidman coming up as far as the next guy to uh, buy it for the championship. I think it's a good thing for the division. It's it's more stacked and more uh, possibilities than the middleweight division has seen in a long time. It basically kind of suffered by having Anderson Silva be such a dominant force, even though he was in there and one of the best fighters uh, pound for pound in the world. But since he kind of owned the division for so long, it was hard to build up other matches. It was hard to build up any kind of uh, controversies. I, I don't even think we even really have a, a situation where we sit there and talk about Anderson having a rival mm-hmm. going back and forth. Uh, he was such uh, head and shoulders above everybody on his streak of, of wins that uh, you know it, it kind of took away a little bit from the division. Now you have uh, such a, a great uh, dynamic occurring right now that to to skip past the um, a rematch, I think, takes away from what they have in their hands right now. Dominic Cruz uh, defeats Uriah Faber in the third fight of their trilogy. Much as people expected a five-round decision, it was a clear victory for Cruz, although Faber did look uh, competitive in the earlier part of the fight. So uh, Dominic Cruz retains the Bantamweight title, and and Cruz, uh, by his own admission, is going to kind of take a little time to think about where he's at in his career if he continues to fight or not. Uh, The feature bout... Dan Henderson taking on Hector Lombard. Dan Henderson, after looking to be on the brink of defeat in the first part of the first round, comes back, knocks out Hector Lombard with a back uh, elbow that was a result of catching one of Lombard's kick and then uh, landed a couple of elbows on the ground before the referee stopped it as he uh, TKO'd Hector Lombard. Gets one of the most impressive finishes of his career and... um, Henderson said as well in the post-fight comments that that might be the last fight of his career. He hasn't decided yet. I can't think of a better way to go out, Frank. I mean, it it was fantastic. Definitely uh, Henderisk. Yes. Uh, You know, powerful puncher. I had stated that when we were talking about the lead-up to this fight, why I thought this was a dangerous fight for Hector because of the power that Henderson has. And you hear that in boxing. Power is one of the last things to go. You might lose a little reaction time, a little speed, cardio as you age. Uh, Pure power, you don't. You see power lifters and strength athletes well into their 40s and even 50s setting up records and being very competitive. Um, Power just stays. So Henderson is always going to be a dangerous guy. Anybody who wants to face him, um, I think fighting him, uh, if you're an explosive guy and want to come forward on Dan Henderson, it's going to be a coin toss. I think the best type of fights um, are the kind of guys that can fight like, well, going back to the fight of Dominic Cruz. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to be elusive and use angles and strike and just, you know, not be there in front of Dan. Uh, Because if you are, anybody he connects on goes down. The people to beat him are the people that can avoid being connected on, avoid being hit by him. Uh, He looked even great against Anderson Silva in their fight in the first round, you know, was able to hurt Anderson. But Anderson being Anderson was able to avoid any further... uh, uh, abuse and you know take him on and was able to take his back and you know was able to finish that fight with a choke uh so um you know and actually going back to dominic i feel like that's somebody that just is 
is unappreciated in our in our era. Same kind of boat I kind of put uh, Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. Some guys are just so good and so technical that the average fan we're watching. I myself sometimes don't didn't understand exactly all the things that Dominic Cruz is doing. It wasn't until we had a trip down to Mexico and I, and I was sitting there. And we uh, we had an appearance together, and I, we were in the you know the van in the back, and he was breaking down maneuvers and strategies. And I'm sitting there going, "Oh, so you're not just." dancing or buying time he has such a strategy that's completely played out that every foot step he takes in that octagon has a purpose has a meaning there's a reaction he's looking for a read that he's going for and depending on what you do is going to indicate what his next maneuver and his next angle is going to be so dominic cruz is really just somebody that you know is really a a pleasure and a science to watch he's up there you know again like demetrius johnson i i think doesn't get the credit due for their fighting ability that really is warranted for what they're able to do inside that octagon but then bouncing back to dan yeah you know he is getting older you know you got to wonder you know we're not just talking about the abuse he takes in the fights and you know he took some abuse in this fight but uh, you know he has to train for the fight uh, that's abuse you know and the human body eventually even though that he is a genetic freak and is able to you know he's he's on a different level than some human Human beings are but uh, miles are still miles you know regardless yeah. if you can take a hundred or a thousand they still you have a you have a, a limit to what your body can do and I don't want to see Dan eventually get to the point to where we feel bad by watching him compete and fight uh, I've already experienced that with somebody that was a hero of mine or a champion that we watched when I watched uh, um, Chuck Liddell Chuck Liddell, who was one of the fiercest competitors when he was the light heavyweight champ of the world. Yeah. Uh, many things he brought, you know, some of his cage work defensively of, of avoiding takedowns are things now that all of us do inside the, uh, the, the training room. We, we took, you know, uh, techniques and, and, and maneuvers out of his gameplay, his game book, and we instituted it and it became common practice for all guys. He revolutionized the sport in certain aspects. But his last couple fights, we saw fight after fight where he was getting knocked out you know eyes open on the canvas like oh my god is he alive yeah menacingly and and you know and, and even in his last interview i think when he was the last fight was with rashad evans and he i thought wow he might not get up it was such a devastating knockout and, and you've seen joe rogan try to nudge him into like well this could be the last time we see you like here's your opportunity to say goodbye to the fans and you've seen chuck kind of shaking his head his hand on the fence like no 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 definitely not not wanting to give it up and i'm sure that was one hell of a battle that you know dana and lorenzo had to have in the back with joe to, to tell him that hey man it's over you know like you know for yeah. your own safety and it's not apparent yet that dan's hit there but it'd be nice that we don't have to get there you know yeah. i think he can end on a high note he's had one hell of a career uh the guy is going to be known as one of the best fighters that ever walked into the UFC. Uh, his power, his courageousness, his, uh, his grappling ability in the clinch. Uh, you know, Hendo, you know, I mean, the guy, you know, from Pride to, I remember, uh, uh, was it the Ring of Fire or uh, uh, before he stepped into Pride when he fought Noguera and actually had a, uh, a win over him. Yeah. Um, back when he was still just a middleweight, able to fight heavyweights. The guy's knocked out Fedor Emelianenko over in Strike Force. The guy's, uh, you know, he, he's done it all, in my opinion. Um, um, uh, nothing more is really need to be done for him to make another title run for a title you know two or three more fights you know we're talking now he's wouldn't be 46 47 by the time he's the champ yeah i mean uh, he just turned 46 so yeah he probably would be 47 he'd have to yeah. win a couple more fights yeah uh, and right now we're not seeing something where you know he's still competitive he just knocked out a young yeah. uh ferocious uh, hector lombard who's a scary guy for most people to stand across from um 
you know, why take any more chances? Why, why push the envelope to the point where we have those images of watching? I mean, we even go back to Muhammad Ali, his last couple of fights he had. Uh, you know, people now, because of his entirety of his career, don't think about it. But uh, his last five fights, uh, people didn't like watching. You know, people were telling him to hang it up, and he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't give it up. And uh, at least I, I see promise in the fact of Henderson acknowledging that, you know, hey, this might be the last time I, 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 you see me. We're not seeing a guy that's not knowing how to hang up the competitive uh, torch. Yeah. He's somebody who's competed on a high level for a lot of his life, whether it was amateur wrestling, you know, competing in the Olympics or Olympic trials and, and pushing on an international wrestling career, um, you know, being very decorated in that realm and then stepping over and transitioning into MMA, being a highly decorated uh, mixed martial artist, you know, having wins and, and fights with the who's who of the MMA world. He really is a Hall of Famer. Um, at this point, what more? I think he has more to lose in that risk than more to gain. Let's get to our audio with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Frank and I, uh, on Friday when we were in L.A. after the weigh-ins, went over to Demetrius Johnson's hotel room and uh, briefly interrupted him playing video games online, which I think is what he does every hour of the day that he's not uh, fighting and defending the UFC flyweight title, and had a great uh, little uh, segment with him. So we brought that audio for you guys. Check it out. Here is uh, myself and Frank and the UFC flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson. Phone booth fighting West Coast Tour continues. Myself, Richard Hunter, and the two-time UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir. We're in Los Angeles. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're doing a variation on the home invasion. We're now invading people's hotel rooms. Uh, we have uh, shown up and ambushed the uh, UFC flyweight champion of the world, Demetrius Johnson. Mighty Mouse, good to see you. Hey, good to see you guys as always. Thanks for having us in. We, uh, I talked Frank into this concept where we show up at people's homes and sometimes their hotel rooms and uh, strong arm them into podcasting. <laughs> We've kept up the uh, the trend here because at first we're talking about maybe I'll go into a restaurant, the place that we were picking, uh, Paul Stanley's place. Uh, the uh, Rock and Brews. Rock and Brews? Yeah. Had uh, like flights of beer and craft beer. Like, oh, let's go there. But then yeah. you had a, a prior arrangement. So, oh, yeah. shit, that would have been sweet. That would have been awesome. That's what yeah. I was next thinking. Time, right? Next time, next time, next yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So then now, but we're in your hotel room where you sleep. Yeah. We've been doing that like all weekend. <laughs> yeah. Tell everybody what was going on with you, Demetrius, when I walked in. Because you had your, your whole gaming setup. I know you're a big Twitch guy. You're gaming online and all that. But you were talking to people. Hey, it was weird because I walk in and I'm setting up gear and people are wanting to know who's the guy in the background. I don't even realize I'm part of the stream. And there I am. <laughs> stringing cables and stuff so give everybody and i know some people already know the story but what, what what do you do with twitch how does all that work yeah basically twitch is uh twitch is basically a platform to where you can stream and stream your video games and interact with your fans um i was talking to frank about it in um cabo and when i go to his when i go back to la if we can link up i'm gonna try to hook it up at his house uh mm -hmm. but basically you play video games interact with the fans um i started doing it uh another access for me to uh, talk to my fans and to, inter to interact you know that's basically the only reason I do it you know I always play video games but yeah. why not put a camera in front of my face uh, a mic and uh, a chat room and just hang out and you were also uh, you you also were telling me that uh, I mean you're not only able to do that you're able to talk to people people play with you and then you're you're also doing subscriber only 
meetups. Explain to everybody yeah. what, what you're about to do after you get done with this. Yeah, How's so basically, working? I mean, it's just like with anything, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when you have a channel or you're trying to push out different content, you always had to give people uh, another reason why to subscribe and to follow you um, and to basically shell out money to support the stream. So right after this podcast, yeah. um, I'm going to head across the street. Um, at Grimaldi's Pizza, I believe it is, Pizzeria, and basically meet 25 subscribers I've never met before in my life. I'm wanting, you know, it's, I'm going to feel like it's like age, sex, location. Where are you from? You want to meet? Yeah. So that's what's going <laughs> that, to happen in, after in, this. Into gaming? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> basically, so that's what's going to happen. So um, yeah. it's going to be the first sub meetup, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. That is, uh, that is. I will tell you though, in some darker circles, when somebody sees sub meetup, they could be expecting an entirely oh, yeah, different thing. I, know, right? so, like, I remember the game bang. I'm like, yeah, wrong meetup, bro. Wrong meetup. Anybody, <laughs> anybody shows up in leather hoods, uh, tell them it's a different kind of sub meetup. All exactly. Right? Okay, that's uh, that's uh, that's really cool. Hey, you got your next uh, fight uh, announced, Wilson Rays, right? Yep. It's gonna July thirtieth. Where's that location? What card uh, is that? Coming? Georgia Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta, right, Georgia. All right, it's gonna be in. Uh, in Atlanta, that's excellent. Keeping up the uh, the busy schedule, I see. You never go too long. Yeah, you know, I mean, I never go too long. I mean, the last couple of beers I had was with Frank and Cabo. We're trying out different beers. Yeah. Uh, trying out different beers, so uh, not too long. I'm healthy. Might as well just get in there and, and uh, fight and just see what happens. All right, tell everybody that story because you were on with us about a month ago. Highly rated episode, by the way. Let me tell you something. Mighty Mouse will get you some downloads. It was no coincidence <laughs> that I, I hounded you until you said, fine, come over to the hotel room. Oh, I'll save like something real like quick. That. No, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, but uh, you, you were on with us. And then by coincidence, like the next week, Frank goes on vacation to Cabo. Right, Frank, for your birthday. I did. I went out there. Uh, good friends, are, uh, my wife and I, uh, Raymond and uh, Sean. Yep. That on uh, No Regrets Bar. Yeah, they said Vegas. that, hey, yeah. you know, yeah. Sean has maybe a business venture going out there trying to maybe yeah. open up a No Regrets Bar. So she mm -hmm. goes out there all the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so they were like, we're going out there and they invite us to come along at your birthday. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll take care of the trip and you just, you know, just enjoy yourself. So the weird thing was that weekend, like that Saturday, I, I, I get a text from Mighty Mouse and it's like, hey, Richard, can you send me Frank's number? And I said, yeah, no problem. I said, he's in Mexico, so, so I don't know if cell phone works or not, but I'm sure he'll get back when he gets back. And the text came back, no, I'm in Mexico. I just <laughs> ran into him on the beach. So what was that? Were you guys like running slow motion in opposite directions right into each other's they arms? Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cool. We, we, we saw each other. We were like, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, yeah. it was just, you know, uh, catching each other. Like, you know, what are the chances of going out of the country? hanging out on a beach and then you run into somebody you, you know it's like hey man what's going on yeah. and so uh asked where he was at he said it's just him and his wife hanging out and i was like oh well it's just my wife and then close friends of ours it's another couple why don't you guys come down over here with us we you know they, they had a yeah. section yeah so demetrius went back grabbed his wife destiny and came over and uh you know it, it was very pleasant which I, I told everybody afterwards it's funny after you guys left i was like oh man thank god that his wife's a really cool person because <laughs> i really like demetrius right yeah but you know how that's scary when you meet another couple yeah because it's not like just meeting another person it's like yeah. well i like them so we're cool it's like yeah but his wife you know she's yeah. horrible but so like i'm always nervous when i meet Couple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just like, yeah, if you can think I'm cool, but or you know, or vice versa, <laughs> your wife likes my wife, but she thinks I'm a dick. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no chance of hanging out now. You know? Yeah, so yeah. afterwards, it's like, man, you know, Demetrius is an awesome guy, but his wife's cool yeah. as shit. You know? Yeah. And then 
they had a lot in common, which was cool because they've been uh, together so long. Oh, so yeah. many of the uh, spouses in the MMA world yeah. are kind of new to the, the lifestyle. Yeah, you know, they've been dating somebody for a couple months, and now they're a fighter, or they're new, or you know, a year or two. You know, you guys have been together for over ten years. Yep, yep. Wow. You know, so I mean, you know, so my wife's been in that business for that long. What? Oh, and then we I all like, I like how she said she, you just said she's been in that business for that <laughs> yeah, long. Like she's been in the business of putting up with me oh, for that long. Well, yeah. well, actually, is I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one yeah. time you could sit there and have Destiny and Jen get on, but yeah. being with a fighter is different. Than, right. I mean, let me let me stop you right there and pitch the put these guys on the spot because uh, uh, they may not know, but we have a recurring segment on our show called Ask Mrs. Mirror, where Jennifer comes on and <laughs> answers uh, questions as the longest tenured uh, fighter wife in the U.S. UFC, we might want to have Destiny at some point in the future yeah. do a guest appearance. Maybe yeah, people could text in and go, hey, Jimmy's if you want first, something, yeah. you know, yeah. a Fighter person wife who lives table. with DJ. It's like, you know, yeah. what's it like? Yeah, because yeah, they are. They're curious. I guess people don't, you know, you know, it, it is slightly different. But to, on a daily basis, it's like, you know, so the guy that goes and stomps everybody is considered one of the best in the world pound for pound. Like, does he do the dishes? You know, what I mean? like yeah. they yeah. ask questions like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of the of our, uh, you know, our companion. That I don't think that we think of to even answer or yeah. to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you're in town, uh, Demetrius, not only to do your, your subscriber-only meetup, but I saw you were the featured uh, guest for the UFC Q&A today before the, the weigh-ins. Uh, what was the most interesting question you got asked? Most interesting question, uh, this uh, Brazilian said, hey, you know, I see you're stomping everybody in your division, but what do you plan on uh, making changes to bringing more money for the company? <laughs> And I was like, uh, well, one, I'm all about pushing out a great product, you know? I started to say, because if the UFC has one thing, it's money problems. I, <laughs> yeah. Somebody yeah. needs to be looking out for these poor people. Yeah. I right? didn't think I saw Dana down like at the welfare office. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, saw him, I saw him pushing his car with a gas can <laughs> yeah, right? on my way That in. old Volvo, yeah. right? 1980-something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, that was probably the most He's interesting struggling. question. Interesting yeah. question. But, you know, I answered it truthfully, and I just said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm about pushing out a great product, and if a product's great, their product will eventually turn in great numbers, you know. I mean, there's a lot of shitty products out there, and it, it, it brings in a lot of revenue, but that product's not on the shelf for a very long time. So yeah. it's almost like quick fix. I, I was just saying this about you at lunch. I said, you know, man, that guy's mood, is it's infectious. Like, you're, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're in a bad mood sometimes, but uh, you you are a, a generally upbeat cat, to say the least. So is that just something you've always been and you were able to translate it to the the public eye? I try to. I mean, I think a lot of people in the public eye don't like it. Um, but, you know, just kicking back, relaxing, enjoying life, and you know something to be upset about. I mean, life's good. And don't get me wrong, you know, you have your ups and downs. But right now, I'm just enjoying life. And this is how I am on a normal basis, you know, my yeah. kids and life and streaming and interviews. Yeah, that's how I do it. Well, I was thinking about, you know, even just the gaming. Like, you know, you go back to being a kid. What do you want as a kid? A lot of people to play with, you know? Well, you, there's never any shortage of people to game with, no, I no, guess. No, and uh, way too many of them to game with. Yeah. yeah in fact, yeah. actually, it's funny when we talk about that. I hate when people sit there and they see someone like a Conor McGregor or some of the other guys who uh, do a lot of showmanship leading up to a fight and they do things. And like, I just want a guy that goes in there and just fights and leaves it alone. I'm like, 
No, you guys don't. <laughs> we have that guy. And everybody keeps asking that guy about why his division doesn't get the same pay-per-view buys as the other divisions. Yeah. We have that guy. He's on a streak. He's murdering everybody. And you know what I mean? So you guys want to sit there and go, well, we don't like train wrecks. I'm like, really? I don't know, man. I mean, you know, the Fertitas aren't stupid. You know, they're putting him on the Internet. Like, then follow and, you know, back up your words with yeah. your, you know, your actions. Yeah. yeah. Follow it. You know, then, then, then why is Demetrius ever even brought up in the conversation? Well, the 25-pound weight class. Why should it have a problem? Then it has one yeah. of the most dominant fighters in all the divisions is in that division. Then why, if you just are a fan of fighting, then you should be a fan. I actually Agreed. don't. I actually don't think it's it's even a new phenomenon because as you know, uh, even before I, I was a fan of UFC, I, I uh, followed boxing, covered boxing, and you know when when the the heavyweights were out of their heyday, there was no Tyson, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But there was all these great fights going on in the lower weight classes, and and you know eventually Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao became stars, but there were so many others that were just fantastic fights to watch. And you know part of it I think is that the you know th there's a lot of well-meaning but misinformed people out there who sit in front of their television and go i got 50 pounds on that guy i could uh you know yeah. and that's why i have always thought that the 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 answer to all of this once and for all is uh is in a uh, like a spike tv series called demetrius johnson bar fights where you just you go <laughs> can in, i bring him yeah bring well him? <laughs> well that's the and see but here that's the twist you go in, he looks like the bouncer, but you end up being the guy yeah. that cleans. Yeah. So I have to bring him in like I'm like a, almost like an Ace Ventura style. Yeah. You think I'm the one that's going to whoop you. Yeah. You turn around. I, <laughs> yeah, Frank's like, listen, I don't know how long I can hold him back, okay? I mean, You know what? That's so funny. It's so crazy about that that, again, that I don't understand is that when I even watch fights, if I see a guy do a move, I'll sit there and run through my mind, what are my counters for it? realistically yeah. what would i do yeah. what would be my reaction how much would the percentages of that reaction actually work what's my capability you know i kind of take size out of the equation it's move yeah. for move mm -hmm. so to sit there and, and, and tell me that people look at dimitri go well you know i'm 200 pound guy drinks beer on a regular basis and, you know you know why well, a guy walks around in the 130s i'm like wow does that really cross people's minds like when I watch fighting, like I think if you like fighting, you're just watching moves. Like I've never yeah. looked at Mayweather fight, and if you said, "Well, how much does he weigh?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." Like I'd have to pull my phone up and look and go, "Oh, that much." Like yeah. I'm not thinking about. Yeah. Well, and the but I see I actually like that component of it being more of a an average size guy and 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 not having a, a whole you know growing up a whole history of accomplished athletics or anything. I I like that. I like it when a smaller guy you know is able to to achieve physicality like that. But that's and, more common, to be honest with you. Yeah, smaller guys are better yeah. fighters pound for oh, pound yeah. than the bigger guys. Well, and they fight more often. If you even watch college wrestling, yeah. Trust me, man. Very few heavyweight matches are worth watching. It's boring. <laughs> no, I, I'd no. rather I can watch the guys that are ranked twentieth. It'll be more entertaining to see number twenty versus twenty-one than sometimes to watch number one versus number two in the heavier weight class. You yeah. know who never says this though, Demetrius, is anybody who's even taken so much as just one or two uh, jujitsu classes. And that's why I always recommend anybody, even to just try it out. You know, every 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 jujitsu school gives you a free week usually. Just do it so you have the experience because. <laughs> There's nothing more satisfying to me, and it's not every day, but you'll see it where the, the, the big burly guy who was the biggest kid on the playground, you know, got, got uh, uh, by a lot with his size or whatever, you know, maybe, maybe played some high school ball or whatever, comes in there, and the first time that he mounts some, some small, you know, purple belt, mm -hmm. and you see the sweep, and you see him get tossed, and you see the look in his eyes like, 
okay, that ain't going to happen again. And then by the end of the hour, it's happening a number of times. You know, I think once people see that, then that's when they really come to appreciate the nuances of what they're watching. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I did a, um, uh, an interview earlier today, and a guy was saying, you're so smart, you need to pick on people who are bigger. And I was like, dude, next time we do an interview, I'm going to fucking grapple you. We're just going to grapple. Just to ah, give people a, a sheer what is yeah. it. I'm going to grapple this dude. Yeah. He's training. He's fucking good. And I don't want to. Yeah. I, I like to go home with all my arms and uh, bones attached to itself. So, uh, yeah. That's the way to harden your <laughs> I'll image. I'll him. You know Boy, what? That's, <laughs> a, that's a way to harden your image. You show up in the media room in a sling. You're like, what happened? I had to interview Mighty Mouse. <laughs> you heard, right? What he's doing now. Yeah. No. It gets that's just ugly. an ego thing, I think. I think. When people sit there and they make any comment towards you about your size, yeah. it's somehow to make them feel better about themselves. I'm like, really? Like, no. like, okay, hold on. You don't think that he's ever heard anything about his height? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, come on, man. You know what I mean? Or, you know what? It's like, I don't know how to take it. Like, the same thing. Like, I don't know if you get this, but I'll get people come up to me and be like, oh, you know, you know you're better looking than when I've seen you on television. I'm all... Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. I think. Or, you know, you're not as big or you're smaller. Or, I don't you know, know what you're complaining make... about. I'd like to hear that once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's a weird comic because what are you saying? So on TV, I'm ugly. Yeah. In person, not or flip it, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know what? I have, uh, I have not dared to unveil this concept down in the media room, but since I'm in the safe sanctuary of uh, you guys up here, I'll, uh, I'll tell you. Have I told you, Frank, about my idea for media weight classes? I'll tell you about you this. You did. You have. Okay. What All right. So here's what I'm thinking, Mighty Mouse. When we do the scrums, you've been on the, the other side of that scrum where we all crowd in around oh, yeah. you shoulder to shoulder, shove <laughs> the mics in your face and everything. Well, you may have noticed that, uh, like fighters, media members come in various shapes and sizes. Absolutely. And sometimes when we get some of our Frank mirrors, if you will, uh, right up there toward the front, there's not a lot of room for us, uh, uh, for, for us, uh, uh gentlemen. Yeah, for us, uh, Carlos Condits in the back, you <laughs> I know. slipped in another fat joke there. Yeah. <laughs> so my idea is that we institute media weight classes. So the way it will go is you interview whatever weight class corresponds to the weight you're able to hit, mm. right? So, like, you know, I might walk around at 170, but, uh, I don't you know, Cowboy Cerrone's got a big fight coming up, so I'm cutting weight, too, to get down to 155, and then I'm rewarded by having the first-place spot right up there. And then you would have guys, like, actually, you know, as they begin their journalistic careers, trying to figure out what weight class they could realistically correspond to. They would fucking quit. <laughs> they wouldn't do it. They were like, got to cut weight socks this fucking guy. He goes... Fuck this. He goes, I'll wait in the back of the line. Hopefully you'll stay there. But I like where your head's at. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you could and you know, I would imagine we'd have weigh ins, like just like you guys do day <laughs> of, you know, we'd be all sucked out and everything and you know, then there'd be a lot of like speculation on well, do you think he can get down to a certain I don't know if he could ever compete at that level. He never you know? talk He's, to that guy. Yeah, I don't know. Or can he bulk up? <laughs> That'd be the fun part too, when yeah, a guy's trying to <laughs> trying to bulk up. Rocks you know? in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here at my weight class, but you know John Jones is willing to give me an exclusive, and I'm just shoveling so, carbs. Is you know, and I think it would come down to like how how bad do you want that exclusive, and how yeah. bad people actually work for it. Then you know, I, I totally agree with you. I always see you know it's always the 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 plus size or the the, the bigger gentleman in front of there, and then I see the the cause kind of like, uh huh. Yeah, they're you know, snaking just, their way through. Snaking their way through there, and they're like, mm. it's funny because some of them have gotten like, like more, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 they, they've got more creative with like these these serpentine like uh, booms that mm -hmm. they'll come up with and stuff. So you'll be all crowded in where you think there's no room, and all of a sudden one of these things will come snaking <laughs> by you through the, and the microphone goes right up to the uh, like, to the, the fighter. Hey, out of curiosity, I guess for that question. Yeah. 
because of the way our culture is, yeah. do women able to kind of, you know, because no one wants to really climb up on a, a female that they don't know. And get do we close. give them a little, uh, a little do leeway? Do women get a little bit of an advantage there? I would think if I had to hire someone, like, put the girl in there, they're not going to, people are going to feel uncomfortable. Because all she has to do is like, Probably do. are you rubbing up on me? Yeah. Yeah. Those words will cause like instantaneous <laughs> barrier. You know? yeah. God, nope, I'm good. Hands up in the air. <laughs> you know what? I had not thought about that, but that is probably true. Yes, we probably do. Uh, do give him uh, uh, a little bit of leeway. Hey, but if a guy's shoulder to shoulder with you, yeah. and he's being kind of rude, you'll probably, you know, you're going to push back. And, yeah. You, know, you guys, will, you know, a little bit of, a, you know, without <laughs> yeah. tussling, but yeah. elbow to elbow. The I can't see you doing that to a woman. The guys who really get upset about it, yes, you would say, the guys who really get upset about it are, are, are more the camera guys because mm-hmm. they've got to deal with the tripods and then their shots get blocked yeah. if, ah. if somebody, you know, moves over side to side or whatever. I'm surprised they haven't come up with a device yet. They could just Dude, jack you know it up. Just <laughs> or you just, Stefan Struve has a career as a camera. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can get any angle you need. He's just standing there like, you're angle. good. Yeah. Where you at? I'm back here, man. No yeah. rush needed. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's like, you know, a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, fighters aspire, you know, uh, ex-fighters aspire to be analysts. Stefan Struve is coveted as a, a boom mic yeah. operator. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just you don't even hold, need the boom. Yeah, he just, just has a mic. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're good. You need drop. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's hilarious, man. That's a that would be a great idea. Or so, you go on the end of the spectrum, man. Yeah, you have DJ just able to slide <laughs> right through everyone. <laughs> like you said, you're the arm in there. You're like, anyways, I was like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, how'd this dude get in here? Well, see, like that's it. where that's where your flyweight journalist would come in okay. handy. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Is you just have them scamper through the uh, yeah, taking out kneecaps or I whatever. Like it. You know, yeah, that'd be solid. So uh, anyway, all right. So let's uh, let's see what uh, what else has been. Uh, you, Demetrius, you were telling me uh, when we came in that you've actually started. Uh, I guess not really called a podcast, but it's a live stream you're doing on Twitch with a friend. You're talking fights. Tell me about how that's working. Yeah. Um, so my original stream is Mighty Mouse UFC 125 uh, on Twitch, and then we also branched off to start doing kind of like a UFC type of not a UFC but mixed martial arts type of stream. Uh-huh. It's called the Weigh In Show. Uh, we only break down the big fights. We broke down his fight when he fought uh, Mark Hunt. We mm-hmm. broke down this fight, USC 189. Uh, but it's fun. You know, a lot of people when I'm streaming, my community base is just mixed martial arts. I'm trying to break into that that barrier of just gaming community. Um, and I'm slowly believing I'm doing that. So, But every once in a while, people come to stream like, hey, what do you think is going to win this? Hey, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? Hey, what are your thoughts? And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to do a stream dedicated just for 30 minutes of me breaking down the fights. And we just had our first guest. Tyron Willie was the first guest. I hope they get Frank Muir on there one time. I want to get my equipment a little bit better. That way, you know, come here and goes, DJ, what is this? Amateur hour. I got time for this. No, no we're still uh, working on our equipment. Don't <laughs> yeah. I know. Hey, yeah. hey, this is good. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a you know, you got to start somewhere. And I've been inspired by, you know, talking to you guys about your story. Yeah. Uh, and just see where it goes. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's always about uh, marketing yourself and branching out and, and making yourself accessible to the fans and just trying to build your own brand. I think it's it's really um, I, I, I was thinking about this this morning. I, I, I think it's really kind of therapeutic in a way. It's kind of cathartic in a way, but it's a good way to keep you grounded and in touch with people because like this morning I was thinking so we, we today we went and we did our uh, show. We did a taping over at Paul Stanley's house from Kiss and uh, you know this is a big deal for us. We're really excited. Paul's a big fan of Frank's and everything. But this morning I got up and I thought, 
okay, I got to let everybody know about this. And by everybody, I don't mean just my mom and my girlfriend. It's like I got to tell our our family, you yeah. know, our family of listeners. And so I get on Snapchat and I got to explain it to them. Then I got to think about, okay, how am I getting it to them? And, you know, they're they're following along on the trip. So have I, have I shown them something of what we're doing here lately? Let me send them another little slide or something, you know, the other image. And that's what – I think that's what makes everybody invested in what you do. Yep, you absolutely. Know? And that, that's how they're going to keep showing up. That's how they're going to keep coming with you. You know, it's like people always talk about, oh, you know, uh, uh, they like you as long as you're winning. Well, that may be true, yeah. but there's also a lot of people who will like you because you've invested in them and they've invested in you. And that's when, you know, uh, I mean, like our mutual friend Dan Hardy, I remember him telling me a long time ago, you know, he had a four-fight losing streak before he got started winning again. He was like, you know, I in a, in a weird way, I didn't worry about getting cut because I knew I knew I always showed up to fight, win or lose. I knew fans loved me, and he stayed connected to them that yep. way. Yep. You know, Agreed. yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah, true. I definitely anything. did. Marriage, anything. Yeah. Now, should Dimitri should Frank start uh, the online because he's another big gamer. You know, anytime he starts to get uh, uh, cranky, fussy, I hand him the 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 tablet, the phone. I say, "Oh, look, look, look uh, Clash Clans, Clash oh, Clans." Oh no, I found all about that in Mexico. Don't oh, worry yeah, about that. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got yelled at in front yeah. of him too. Yeah, <laughs> we're at dinner, and all of a sudden it was time for my clan to attack. Oh, so I yeah. had to, you know, make sure yeah. I got my attack. In real you know quick. how Demetrius, you're a dad. You know how, like, when the kids are getting a little fussy, you give them the bag of Cheerios. Yep, yep. You know, well, with Frank, you just you know, Clash Clan. You get it to Cheerios him. Cheerios works yeah. too. Come that on, works good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. So, I mean, maybe he should look into getting on Twitch or something. Yeah, right? you know, yeah. we were talking about it, and I yeah. think, uh, or even, I remember you, he said his children play uh, video games too, but yeah. I think it's always a different avenue for him to uh, interact with his fans. Um, you know, when I go back in Vegas, uh, yeah. we've become, uh, you know, I would say uh, good friends, quite, uh, close friends. We enjoy the same thing. I enjoy his jokes. He can tell me jokes all night, and we do enjoy delicious beer. Yeah. So next time I'm in Vegas, we're going to meet up, go to his house, and show him how Twitch, uh, uh-huh. how I set all that up. And, and then, uh, end up fighting crime and, and end up fighting crime, crime in the end. Yep, don't yep. forget. Yep. Okay. Um, we get a cigar in there. It would be the perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he tried to get a cigar. Uh, and we'll see how it I goes. Try. I mean, yeah. if, if he likes yeah. it, then uh, I, I think it's definitely a career. I mean, not a career, but just something for him to do and try it out. Why not? You know I mean? Yeah. You don't you don't know if you like it till you try it. Yeah. Well, let's tell everybody how they can find you, Demetrius. We'll wrap up because I know you got to get to your uh, your meetup. Uh, how do they find you on uh, Twitch and and elsewhere? Yeah, on uh, Twitch, we... it's just uh, Twitch.tv/slash Mighty Mouse UFC 125. On there, I stream like seven days a week. God bless my wife for letting me do that. And uh, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram is Mighty Mouse 125, and then. Twitter is Mighty Mouse UFC, and that's where they can find me. That's it. And when do you know when you'll be doing the next breakdown? Uh, next breakdown. Or, or, sorry, sorry weigh-in show. Uh, next weigh-in show, yeah. show is probably going to be UFC 200 against mm-hmm. John, uh, the John Jones and uh, Daniel Cormier. So we got to work on that, and it's a lot of work, man. Like, when I think yeah. about it, I'm like, before I got into all the overlays and shit, I will just jump on. I'm like, all right, guys, who's going to think he's going to win? Blah, 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 blah. Hope you enjoyed it. But now it's like... You know, you gotta, you know, go through a list and get guests on. But you gotta, you know, like I said, you always gotta, you know, you guys said it the best. You gotta invest in your product, and people will invest in you, and they'll stick around for a while. So, genius move. He's figured out a way (laughs) to make a living off of or getting paid to play video games. I know. So the wife, I mean, how do you, how does she say no? Yeah, yeah, right? I'm like, you can't play against that girl. You see that Louboutin you got in your back? You see the phone Louboutin case? You better check yourself. 
That that would happen, but yeah. I'll bet you do. No. <laughs> no. No, I'll bet. No. So get your ass outside yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Demetrius. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in uh, UFC 200. You're going to be in town for that? Or are you, you know, coming in? Uh, you know? Fortunately, I won't be in town for that, but hopefully. Because you, you'll have a fight. I guess at that point, your fight would be like two weeks away or yeah, something. Yeah, two now. weeks. I was going to come out, but not. But hopefully, next time we're I am joining you, gentlemen, hopefully we get a bar tasting some beer. Yes. I would love that. That'd be August. awesome. You know what? I think UFC is going to be in uh, Vegas in August. Or even at the uh-huh. house. Well, yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah that's a weekly yeah, deal. Absolutely. So you come over anytime you're in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, on the, the, know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have you on the uh, on absolutely. the back porch. All right, man. Demetrius, thanks for the time, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. So that was Mighty Mouse. Always fun to uh, get together with him and really cool of him to invite us over to his hotel for a podcast taping. We'll do more of those uh, hotel slash home invasions. I think we had a, a pretty successful run of those this week between him and, and Paul Stan. We got a lot of bits going. This is We're good. We're going to discuss uh, Bert Kreischer. That's right. We got Burt Kreischer coming up. Uh, that will be, I think we'll probably uh, post that one next week as a bonus episode. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting so far ahead of ourselves that at least for the next couple of weeks, you guys are going to hear uh, two phone booth fighting episodes per week. Do we keep it going uh, to a week past that? Well, we might. I think I was we'll just see. wondering that. You know, uh, you know, I was thinking that when you said that the next couple of weeks you know, we might do two a day or two a week. I'm like, that's one of those things that once you step it up, how do you go backwards? You know, know. it's like a relationship. Yeah. Once you take that step and you start providing something, you really, you know, you can't sit there and go, well, that's that was just for you know then. You know, that was the early part of the relationship. That's right. It hasn't worked out in my marriage. And my wife's like, <laughs> you started out doing that, you better keep doing it. That's what sold me. So that's a good point. And and uh, that's just fine with us in terms of the relationship that we have uh, with you guys who are loyal to our subscription base. To that end, and we'll have announcements in the coming weeks about the Fund Anything campaign we're going to put together for you guys to uh, help us enhance the quality of the program because with an added video component and with multiple episodes a week and the the travel and the road shows we want to bring you and all that kind of stuff obviously is going to come uh, some increased overhead. We want to get you guys uh, hats and t-shirts and stuff like that. You guys are asking about that a lot to uh, represent for phone booth fighting, and we'd love to see you do that as well. So uh, keep your ears tuned to phone booth fighting for announcements on our uh, Fund Anything campaign and how we're going to put together some great perks for you guys who are contributing on uh, all different levels to help us with uh, the show because the success has been so quick that, uh, you know, we get a little bit of lag time in between sponsors. We do need to thank our sponsors, of course, the ones that uh, we have with us. Uh, Real Water, get real at drinkrealwater.com. Trent Cotney, trentcotney.com, supporting fighters the world over. Mixed martial artists love that guy. And Be Bald, bebald.com. You do not have to be bald to enjoy the Be Bald skincare products like Frank and I do. But uh, we know that as the show grows, we will have increased sponsorship. But uh, as I said, everything's happened uh, so quickly, fortunately for us, that uh, you know it's going to take a little bit of time for those sponsors to catch up. So in the mean- meantime, we're going to fill that gap with uh, a go f- a fund anything campaign that I think is going to be a lot of fun uh, for everybody to get involved with, and you're going to get some uh, some great perks and rewards for uh, contributing to it, no matter what the level of your contribution. So thanks uh, once again on behalf of Frank and myself to everybody listening to this episode and continuing to subscribe on a weekly and at least for the time being a twice weekly basis. You can follow us on social media on uh, Twitter at Phone Booth Fight 
on Instagram at Phone Booth Fighting, and our Snapchat username is Phone Booth Fight. If you're following us on Snapchat, you saw me Saturday night Snapchatting uh, real time from UFC 199. You saw that was the first place it was announced that Paul Stanley was going to be our guest on uh, Friday's episode of Phone Booth Fighting. He announced it himself via our Snapchat video. So get on board with the Phone Booth Fight Snapchat username Phone Booth Fight, and keep snapping us those pictures of what you are doing and where you're doing it while you're listening to phone booth fighting we love to post those up so uh, we can show everybody uh what what uh what you got in common with people all over the world at this point listening to phone booth fighting you can follow frank on social media twitter and instagram at the Frank Mir. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Richard Hunter. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes at uh, on Stitcher Radio and also at PhoneBoothFighting.com. If you go to our iTunes page, please click on the five stars. Give us a five star rating. Helps us stay at the top of the rankings. And uh, if you have a moment, write us a favorable review. A guy came up to me at UFC 199, Frank, just in the concourse at the forum said, hey, I love the show, love what you and Frank are doing. And he said, just today I got on iTunes, wrote you guys a review, and I was able to thank him personally. But uh, I can't thank everybody personally, but if you're within the sound of uh, my voice and Frank's voice and you've done that for us or you're going to do it, we really sincerely appreciate it. The most important thing you can do for us, though, above and beyond anything else, is tell a friend. Just spread the word about phone booth fighting. If they're a fan of mixed martial arts or just a fan of good conversation, tell them to check out an episode of phone booth fighting and turn them on to it. That's how we're going to grow the show and we really appreciate you doing it for frank Mir, i am richard hunter and we'll see you next week for another episode wait did i say next week i meant friday for another episode of phone booth fighting everybody was kung fu